Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and you are on the record. An in-depth look at all of the business, legal, marketing, deal-making issues of each week in a business that is as turbulent as it's ever been. Beginning segment, we focus on the top four issues in a segment we call the opening drive. Here's what happened this last week. What we need to look for for next week will come up at the end of the show. Number one. The NFL continues to grow internationally with most games ever in Europe this season. They played regular season games in Europe for years, looking to grow their fan base and expand the outreach of the game. But this season, the league has reached new records in Europe, and it's a promising sign for international interest in the favorite sport. The games reach 158 million fans across eight primary markets and broadcast in 200-plus countries and territories in 25-plus arenas, Wembley, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Allianz Arena have notably brought high energy to avid fans, as much as 17 million casual fans in the UK and German markets who are bringing European soccer-like atmospheres to NFL games. With the growth of the NFL's fan base overseas, Commissioner Roger Goodell hinted at the possibility of an NFL franchise or even a multiple of them being located in Europe in the future. And the NFL is using this to test different strategies to see how plausible a team permanently located overseas might be. Jacksonville played the last two weeks in London in October and stayed there in between games. Along with the UK and Germany, the NFL also has ongoing international series in Mexico. Estadio Azteca in Mexico City looked into the possibility of games in Brazil in the future. The NFL has done one of the most popular leagues in the world good by devotion to the U.S. to football, but also the spreading of international growth. The league could see unprecedented numbers in the near future. Take a look at flag football and the discussion, by the way, of its potential in the Olympics. That's number one. Number two, the phenomena of the NWSL. They're about to expand its television reach after years of an exclusive CBS deal. ESPN, CBS, Amazon, and Scripps, according to Sportico. Value of the deals remains unknown, but reportedly adding up to being 10 times larger than the $1.5 million the NWSL previously received from CBS. The deals reportedly put the league above the revenue of the Women's Super League in Europe. Significant contrast to what the NWSL male counterparts in the U.S., Major League Soccer did with its most recent TV rights deal. And rather than spread its rights among different networks like the NFL, NBA, and MLB, MLS, as you know, inked a 10-year exclusive deal with Apple worth about $2.5 billion, but much of it is based on future ad revenue, season pass on TV, and other focuses. And who'd have thought about Messi? But obviously, it's a success from a number of perspectives. The point is the women's soccer has arrived in a number of contexts, and that's obviously number two for the week. Number three, FIFA. The deadline for hosts 
eyeing the World Cup bid in 2034. The Australia bid and the Saudi Arabian bid and others told by FIFA they have just 25 days to declare an interest, while the Australian Football Association a race against time to come up with a detailed bid. The Saudis working on this 2034 bid, by the way, for months. A handful of matches in the 2030 World Cup played in South America to mark the tournament's centenary. But the bottom line is FIFA wants more sponsors. And when Saudi stepped in, one thing that Saudi Arabia and the Crown Prince want from FIFA and Infantino in return, they want it nailed down as soon as possible. The World Cup announced a six-country solution bid for 2030 to be ratified for next year, and simultaneously the bid for 2034 would take place concurrently due to the rotation rules. No country from Europe, the Americas, or Africa would be able to bid for 2034. Looks pretty certain for Saudi Arabia, but we have to wait for the final results. Remember what happened with Qatar. And that's number three. Finally, a final interest for you marketing geeks. It's called engagement humping, the business of grabbing attention. The NFL, like most leagues, is no stranger to glitz, but how about the Kelsey-Taylor Swift issue, new levels? Welcome to engagement humping, or the value of CCR. It's called, not Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, clearly, but cultural conversation relevance. Used to be known as Water Cooler Talk, but now it's a global audience and marketing people get a hold of the name, and so <laughs> you see what it is. And the bottom line is a measurement, a opportunity to take a look at the conversations, uh, undeniable, the positive impact. Uh, not only uh, has Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift issue done, the Rapino uh, retirement, uh, some of the other issues as well. Commissioner Jessica Berman of the NWSL hopes that this will generate some significant dollars as well. But overall, and even more important, the idea of being able to put together a measurement of what is called engagement humping. The NFL, all of their buzz in the last few weeks, got to be able to measure it. Montclair State University and others have an opportunity to not only measure but see what the relative impact is, which is very important. That's the top four for the week. Engagement, effort, bottom line is what it's all about. Andrew Fingerman is the CEO of PhotoShelter, a leading digital asset management software for brand and creative teams. With a deep understanding of the intersection between technology and marketing, the company and Andrew have driven innovative solutions to help brands effectively manage and monetize their visual assets. His vision to build the industry's fastest, easiest, and smartest solutions have resulted in Photo Shelter being known for its unique real-time workflow capabilities, enabling creatives to push their visual assets from camera at live or important events. Audiences in mere seconds, that's really important, the connectivity. Nearly 2,000 brands leverage Photo Shelter today, ranging from the Eagles, Delta Airlines, Fresh and Direct, the National Cathedral, IMG Golf, Wendy's, and a lot of other diverse brands. Here's Andrew Fingerman. Let's talk about the proliferation of advertising, even more so post-pandemic. Talk a little first about Photo Shelter, who it is, what you guys do, and what's your edge. Photo Shelter is a 20-year-old company. We're um, specialists in AI-powered, SaaS-based digital asset management, specifically focusing on 
visual content. So what does that mean? Uh, it's we take the, uh, the photos and the videos from the moment of capture all the way, we handle all the messy stuff that happens every, between the moment of capture all the way out to the audience. So let me bring that to life for you. Let's say you're the photographer for the Kansas City Chiefs. You're on the field at the Super Bowl. Uh, you're taking thousands and thousands of pictures. Across the field from you is the photographer from the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you've got NFL photographers swarming around the field. Uh, what are they doing with those photos? They're uploading to our system in real time where we're handling the tagging of that content, the organizing of that content, the permission-based access to everybody in your ecosystem that needs it to do their jobs and getting it out to market so that the fans can be engaged and enjoy it. That's what we do. Long time from Walter Yoss and uh, some of the other huge photographic experts. They take one picture. It is monumental. And here we go. Uh, I guess it reflects technological advancements like everything else. Digital asset management is a term that uh, I don't know if you've coined it, but it certainly describes what you do. Uh, how has that world changed in the last few years, let's say, because of AI, for example? There's a huge paradigm shift, Rick. Uh, two real factors that are driving that. One, brands. Um, and we don't just work with sports teams, by the way. We work with about 2,000 brands from uh, uh, Wendy's to Delta Airlines to Kenneth Cole, but we have a few hundred sports brands. The different leagues are using us, the teams are using us. Um, and what's happening? They're all producing more content than they've ever produced before. They're tripping over themselves to get it out to market, get in front of the fans, uh, find that right piece of content, match it with the right audience and get it out at the right moment in time so they can grab these opportunities for more and more engagement. And they're kind of feeding this beast the public wants more content. They're getting that content out there. Uh, but what's happening is that all this content is like data and it's just piling up and piling up inside of the organizations. So they're finally embracing the fact that they need to do something with it to get their arms around this mess that they're creating. So that's problem number one. Uh, number two is there's a big paradigm shift that's happening thanks to AI. And AI is making it stronger and easier and more powerful than ever before to organize this content, recognize what's actually happening inside the photo or the video, maybe tag it if you're sophisticated enough for the computers to actually see what's going on in the content, and then know to do things with it. So drive automations, get it out into the hands of your social media guy that's pushing content out to Instagram, or get it out to your sponsors that are eagerly awaiting after the golf match to, um, to push that, uh, let's say that Lacoste brand photo of the winner of the, the particular tournament out into the market for their audience because they want to claim their affiliation with that winning moment. So back in the leather helmet days when I was growing up, you had Sport and Sports Illustrated, you had three networks, and you had a whole bunch of newspapers that probably wanted a photo or two. I minimize it, but compared to today, uh, your, your difficulty cuts across integrating the content obviously parsing the rights, which has always been there, but the rights are now evolving as well. But also the multiple millions of opportunistic platforms that people may want to use to distribute. So it's almost three-dimensional chess. How do you keep it all straight? Yeah, so so it's intriguing. Uh, at Photo Shelter, we're, um, you know, we're, we're kind of agnostic across the industry. So we do work with some of the media brands. Uh, in fact, Sports Illustrated is a customer. But we also see that the brands themselves 
So the, the teams, the leagues, the sponsors, they're becoming media companies of their own and they're taking a lot of these kind of matters into their own hands. They all want to be producing content, um, which is a messy, ugly, collaborative process that involves a lot of people. And they all want to be pushing that content out into the world. So we're trying to really, we like to say at Photo Shelter, we help creative people thrive. And we do that by streamlining their workflows and introducing technologies and innovating along all the touch points that reduce some of that mess and reduce some of that clutter so that the, um, the content producers can be getting that content out into market as efficiently as possible. I want to have a broader AI discussion in a couple of minutes, but let's defer that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the the, uh, the 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 success and evolution of Andrew Fingerman. So when did you first get the idea that this could be a viable monetizable business? Yeah, so uh, so I, I'll say I was not a founder of Photo Shelter, but I'll tell you a couple of things in my background. I've always been a photographer, uh, darkroom trained way back when, uh, and I've always been a sports fan. So my uh, my grandfather had giant season tickets and you can imagine me there sitting with my little camera uh, at every Giants game, taking pictures of Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor. And so I've always had a love of sports and photography and sports photography. I joined up with the founding team at Photo Shelter now over a decade and a half ago. And um, at the time we were producing content, or sorry, content solutions for the working professional photographer. So we, which we still do, that's another product of ours. Uh, but I took over as CEO in 2012 and I saw an opportunity to take what we were doing for the professional photographer, helping them organize their content, get it from point A to point B and do it for larger brands. So uh, I'll, I'll confess, I didn't conceive of the idea. I actually saw folks like the Philadelphia Eagles and Hess Oil. They were using our photographer tools to manage their organization's content. So we dug in there and we saw, wow, they are putting tremendous amounts of content into our system. And uh, so let's test, let's build out, instead of these independent photographer solutions, let's build out something for bigger organizations. Well, and obviously when you look at your client list, some you've mentioned, and we're not gonna talk about all 2000 brands that you've touched, but Fresh Direct, the Delta Airlines piece, you talked about the National Cathedral, IMG Golf, Wendy's, those are a lot of diverse ones. But luckily, because you're a Giants fan, you'd never work for the Philadelphia Oh yeah, you do. You work for the Eagles too. How did that happen? How how, how did you sell you? How did you sell? How, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. How did you sell your soul to to get Jeff Lurie to hire you? That's that's an interesting concept. So the Eagles are a great example where they're using two of our products. They're using Photo Shelter, the uh, the digital asset management tool for archiving their content for their real time workflow on game day. They're also using. We just bought a small company called Socially. Uh, socially may be small, but they are the leaders in uh, influencer content distribution. So, um, so they have this great solution that uh, enables the brand to push content out to their influencers. So the Eagles are using socially as well. So you, and we're fully integrated. So what happens is when we take a, when the Eagles take a photo, let's call it of Jalen Hurts, we'll even let him be scoring a touchdown, and uh, it goes into Photo Shelter system. We're automatically recognizing Jalen Hurts. It's going into a Jalen Hurts gallery, uh, not only for the Eagles ecosystem to grab, do what they want with it, but it's also pushing out to the socially platform, where it's, which is the, the content can be accessible on Jalen Hurts' phone 
right after he goes into the locker room, takes a shower, and he can push out to Instagram, Twitter, any photo of him from the game that the Eagles want on his phone. So, so it's this seamless flow of content from the moment the action's happening on the field all the way through, not just to the Eagles audience, but to Jalen Hurts' audience too. I will tell you, in my world of sports business and sports news, you know, I used to get the long, profound interviews and the 25, 30-minute pieces, which are really important. Now I'm told by everybody that matters that unless you make your case in two and a half minutes, you might as well not even try. And so the whole world is changing into snackables. And I assume that plays into your hands because there's, uh, it, it, there, there, there's nothing better to tell a story than a good, uh, transparent photo. It, it's, it's emotional. Uh, it uh, drives the character. And, and I'm, I'm sure you're ahead of that whole notion now that if you have a way to capture and condense and distribute, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a big deal, Rick. The, uh, if you think about these team photographers, especially that have uh, unprecedented access in the locker room, in the uh, in the tunnel before coming out ahead of the game, uh, you know, in those poignant moments after the game, win or lose, uh, that's the stuff that the fans really want to see. It can be a photo, it can be a, a, a crisp short video, uh, and getting it out there makes all the difference. Uh, what we're doing with the the socially tool, not just automating it and enabling the players to push it out, but we're also giving the teams and the leagues data on how that content is performing. So they can start getting more and more savvy about what's performing well and what's not performing. They can kind of fine tune their content distribution going forward as well. So not only are they getting better and more efficient at it, but they're learning and improving as well. We won't have to name names, but, you know, working with all the NFL owners and all of the guys who run their respective sports teams and leagues, you find a little bit ironic that all of a sudden all of these these uh, these elder statesmen who have made their money elsewhere are all of a sudden uh, proficient social media experts. They, they know more about social media numbers than anybody else does because that's becoming a very large part of their business, right? That's how they get paid. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you guys are on the front edge of it as well. So before we get into AI, the, the notion of being able to take advantage of some of the newfangled ways that assets are transmitted do you consider that part of your world? By that, I mean NFTs. So that's an interesting one. We have, um, we let, kind of like I, I described how we're helping the, the brands uh, get their content out to market faster. We're trying to be an enabler of anything you might want to do with your content. So, uh, so I will say Photo Shelter is not uh, enabling you to, on our platform, create an NFT, push it out to market, sell it to fans. Uh, but we want to make sure that you have access to the content that you need to do that and make it easy for you to get it from point A to point B, putting it into those, those potential platforms as well. So, um, so we are on the lookout though. Um, you know, what's important is that, uh, that we are not just a tool that enables the sports brands, the larger consumer brands to manage their content, but get as much value as possible out of their content. So AI, here's the, here's the link back to AI. You tout Photo Shelter's new AI capabilities, and I'm sure they're prolific, as a market edge. And I'm sure we could get into a technical discussion of what they are. We're not going to. What I am going to ask you, though, is how far we've gone and come with AI now. Are we at the tip of the iceberg? 
and give me your sense of where AI broadly defined will be in sports uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah, so, uh, so it's a fantastic question and I won't get into the technology behind it. Uh, but what, what I will say is uh, we've, we've come a long way and we're still at the beginning. So, uh, so what can we do now? Um, and in, in, in my, what I've seen and what I'm not an expert in is amazing analytics around the actual, you know, you've seen like the stat cast and, and whatnot, the ability to crunch numbers really quickly and then do predictive, uh, predictive sense, and, which is obviously big in the gambling world, but what's going to happen today in the, in the, in the Yankees game? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, using AI for uh, injury prevention and game planning, game strategy, fascinating stuff. Uh, where we are most focused is on the fan engagement and marketing side of things. So, um, so tip of the iceberg today, we are able to recognize what's inside of the content. So who is the player? Uh, what is the sponsor logo that's behind the player? So when Aaron Judge hits a home run, let's say the Sony logo is in the background and the Yankees want to ship that photo of the home run with the Sony logo in the background off to a sponsor, they could very easily filter their content by that and push a gallery out to the folks at Sony and enable them to do what they need given their sponsor relationship. I think that's fascinating and still just tip of the iceberg. Uh, one thing that's interesting to me is Historically, up until this very moment, the content has needed to be tagged. So in order for it to be findable, useful, uh, to do anything with it, it's needed to be tagged. You've needed a human to say, that's Jalen Hurts, that's Daniel Jones, uh, that's Sony, that's Pepsi, no more. So now the computers are doing that. And in the next phase here is generating automations. So enabling triggers essentially. What's going to happen with that content to enable it to get out to market as fast as possible? So uh, what our technology has done is we've been able to take out the human element, which is like the single biggest pain point of needing to tag and move this content around. And that I think is where you know, we're seeing a lot of next generation difference making in the market. Well, I think one of the other issues too, as somebody who talks about the sports business and industry as a $1.3 trillion business, you flagged 66 billion sports advertising industry dollars. I think that's low, but it doesn't matter. It's a big number. And the bottom line is, if you can identify certain uh, advantages, certain return that industry corporate executives wouldn't have seen before, the Sony logo on an outfield fence that is geared to something else that triggers additional value or impressions, you're going to bring more money to the industry. Be more money to the teams, more money to the players, more money to the stadiums. So you're a hero. I completely agree with that. Uh, we're <laughs> seeing the emergence of some great services now that will um, will do that. It uh, they crunch the numbers and they'll tell you, you know, what is the value of that sponsorship. So the more real time we can make that, uh, the more value everyone involved will see. Is it a metrics-based world exclusively long term? You know, a lot of this is subjective. The whole discussion about uh, in-game, in-story advertising, the you know corporate logos on second base, which wouldn't happen now. We'd maybe a couple of years away. The jersey patch stuff we've talked about. You talk about it in your pitch, and everybody talks about it as well. The race cars that now have everybody's patch under the sun. Uh, how much of that is just raw metrics as far as impression? How much of that is 
uh, being uh, audience general awareness that that you know corporations are in the game is it is it how much is subjective and how much is objective let's 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 ask it that way yeah well i will say um there's there's one be all end all metric and that's is this helping us make money uh, but there, there there is still um so there's it's getting better and better in terms of how can i extract the data that can tell me is this helping me make money um, who is seeing the logo on the jersey who is seeing the logo on the court and how is that driving business when they see it and when they don't i know from my days at american express when we were running tv advertising it wasn't necessarily the ad that was generating the business for us but the calling when we would call customers when we'd send direct mail at the same time as doing those advertisements we would see an uplift in our results and so it does come down to, and the marketers will be thrilled to hear me say this, that uh, there still is a halo effect. There's a combination of all of these factors working together to compel audience behavior, to engage the fans. You have to hit them multiple times with your messages, no matter what the medium is. And, and that's, that's where giving the, the base level data that we can get our hands on, what are the impressions? What are the engagements? How are people interacting with this content? That's where you can feed that into that bigger holistic picture of how is it driving the business? You know, how many um, how many Pepsis did we sell in the arena that night? Pie Piper, the photo business, but there's gotta be a better name. By the end of the interview, I'll come up with a better name, but we're close to the end anyway. I just got one question relative to corporations. You know, when the ad agency industry was looking at the transformation to digital in some ways into the internet everybody was slow to respond because they were scared they didn't know how to deal with it they might think it was going to go away and now we've got it on steroids so to speak everybody is not just talking about television but over the top we're talking about the digital overlay we're talking about youtube and 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 uh uh and prime and how it's impacting the nfl viewership starting you know with the nfl season etc cetera, etc cetera. uh how do you stay ahead of the curve do you feel like your metrics need harder and harder sales to kind of drive corporations. Do you have opinion leader corporations, I guess like Wendy's and Delta, who then drag the recalcitrant corporations along? What's the business strategy in that regard? Yeah, so so for us, we're responding to the trends that we're seeing. So we're looking out into the market, again, not just to the sports teams, but to the brands themselves, and we're listening to the pains that they're experiencing. So I'll give you an example. One, one of the things that we were seeing over the recent years was the misuse of content. So a corporation produces a shoot or a team produces a shoot. They have limited rights to using that content. It ends up in the hands of a marketer and that marketer pushes it out into the world, maybe puts it on a website when it's out of their, their rights to use on their website, or it's a year past the contract for that. So um, what was happening? The corporations were getting sued. They came to us and they said, how can you help us eliminate these problems? And we started building solutions around it. So now you push the content into the system, you could put expiration dates on it, you could associate it with contracts, um, you, can, you can have data on who's downloading it, when are they downloading it? So you can really exercise a significant amount of control in preventing those lawsuits that were happening time and time again. So really for me, it's about listening for the pain and building solutions to help the customers make their lives a lot easier. 
Andrew Fingerman, the CEO of PhotoShelter, the leading digital asset photography media development expert, gave us some interesting perspective. And now time for what we call the grab bag, the top gaming issues, tech issues, good sports issues of the week. First, let's start with gaming. The apps utilizing BetVision, seeing NFL bettors wager more and watch longer. Webinar sales pitch for its low-latency NFL streaming video product. Data distributor Genius Sports included a few stats from its first weekend to get viewers' attention. Viewers and users watching Thursday Night Football, for example, placed twice as many vets as those who weren't watching the game on the app. 54% placing in-play bets. The app viewing increased 40% from week one to week two. 46% of week one users returning. Those stats particularly compelling when you consider that the version of Genius Bet and Fanatics is integrated thus far doesn't include a key feature that eventually will be available, a bet slip that users can access on their device screens, allowing them to place in-play bets while still watching. That feature and others that enhance the experience are available thus far only on Caesars Sportsbook app, which debuted uh, the product during uh, Sunday night games at the close of last season. It has time to integrate not only the bet slip, but a host of in-play bet types that were not available last season. Those, the stats to help users make decisions, are available to bettors watching any locally available NFL game on the Caesars app. The quality of the video, the speed of the video, the breadth and the depth of the offering of One Piece, head of the sports at Caesars Digital, says, but it's really about how you surround that experience with a betting experience. A lot of time thinking about plugging in a live stream, a lot more time thinking about how to bring it to life through the product experience and the things they put around it. And those sports books will layer on touches and genius will build out more features the secret sauce here is the low-latency video, which is about five seconds behind what's happening on the field. Fans watching on cable through an OTT provider over the air can be about 45 seconds behind, putting them in a player, even two players, yeah, in the dust. And without bet vision, you can't watch a game broadcast and bet on what you're watching. It's what those in the NFL who were bullish on the betting envisioned when they carved out distribution to sports books in their last round of TV rights. Games on Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN, Amazon, Prime Video, all available. So long as bettors can get into those games in market without Sunday ticket on YouTube TV. The fully integrated product has not only bet slips that can be overlaid on the screen with one click, but overlaid player team stats to track the prop bets, alerts that pop up when points spreads and odds change after key plays, and a mode that shows next-gen stats like player speed and distance between a defender and an open receiver. From the early days of asking fans, and especially fans who are interested in betting what they want, these types of overlaid experiences and live games within sports betting apps was very popular, says David Highhill. He's the GM of sports betting at the NFL. So it was something that we always wanted to find the right lane to do, he said. We're pumped to see in-market games are available, and all of them, and the fan response has been very strong, as you would expect. It's worth noting that FanDuel and DraftKings, who are NFL official sponsors, and BetMGM are the only other sportsbook able to advertise during NFL games 
by virtue of its status as a league-authorized operator, have not yet signed on for BetVision, but together they account for about 80% of U.S. handle, based on publicly available state gaming reports. Caesars was at about 8% heading into the season. Bet Rivers and Fanatics Point Bet, the other two sports books taking the product, were 4% and 2%, respectively. Genius and the NFL say they're in talks with all of them. Other operators launching in the future, says High Hill as well. But they have to prioritize access across whatever product development needs there are and what resources are to be able to incorporate it. They're making their decision based on a number of factors. They're confident, says the NFL. They're very interested in the NFL, and Fuchs wouldn't share how much Caesars Genius data bill has increased since it added the first and most souped-up NFL video and in-play offering. But his enthusiasm for the product is evident. The December test was an appetizer. The new version not only includes all of the features described, but it also allows Caesars to prompt users to and from other games they might have bet on. Bettors who leave the broadcast to track another game might get a push notification with an embedded video highlight when a player is betting on scoring a touchdown or whether the team about to cover the spread is in the red zone, reminding them they they may want to tune back in. The watch and bet product is amazing, innovating on top of that with Genius and the NFL, but you got to throw up a video, and I do think it uh, does very much, Fuchs said. Uh, It's about really building the design to live the experience and live experience that caters to the sports fan in a way that's meaningful as the game is going on. In the sales pitch during this meeting, Genius presented an eye-catching demo and said what we're going for, said participants, is to revolutionize the live betting and viewing experience for sports bettors. The NFL and Caesars believe BetVision is doing that, even in its early iteration. But it won't happen until it's available in the U.S. at scale. That means closing deals with FanDuel's and DraftKings. Obviously, they're continuing to move forward. That's your sports gaming issue for the week. We'll continue every week to talk about the top trends in that part of the business. How about tech? As important, if not more important, than the whole gaming issue. And we got a couple this week. Number one, AT&T and Gallaudet University unfail football helmets for deaf and hard of hearing players. The company and the Washington-based school for students who are deaf and hard of hearing unveiled the new technology last week. Showed a coach call a play on a tablet from the sideline, and then it shows up visually on a small display screen inside the quarterback's helmet. Gallaudet competes in Division Three, cleared by the NCAA to use the helmet in its game on Saturday against Hilbert. Gallaudet coach Chuck Goldstein said he thinks the helmet will change football. We work out the same way as every other college football program. We practice the same way. We compete the same way. The difference between coaching a hearing team compared to a deaf team is really communication. Final product is the result of almost two years of communication between the team and AT&T, which came up with the concept as a way to close the inclusion gap for the deaf in the community of its 5G network participants. We came up with the ideas on how to make the helmet more effective, and we interact with players and coaches. The senior VP of network engineering and operations, Corey Anthony, said, 
They'd give us feedback. We'd go back, make changes, work on it. Just a beautiful relationship, Anthony said. The company also leaned on employees who are deaf and hard of hearing during the process. Probably one of the most exciting and enriching projects we've worked on in a very long time. I concur. Amazing issue moving forward. By the way, another tech issue as we continue to talk about Meta and AI chat boxes. Well, Meta's paying Tom Brady and Paris Hilton millions to use their likenesses for high-powered celebrity chat boxes. Snoop Dogg, Paris Hilton, Charlie D'Amelio, the TikTok influencer, using their likenesses for fictional A1 chat boxes, says the company. Meta owns the WhatsApp and Instagram companies and formats and platforms. Was so intent on getting big names to sign, it paid in excess of a million for each of the celebrities to grant permission to use their likenesses. The information reported, according to the detailed sources, a person familiar with the matter said other deals with top creators in a similar price range. The arrangements are not exclusive, meaning the stars could shop their likenesses on other AI-related products if they chose. The comment from Meta has been that we've shared plans and we'll have more experiences in the future. The bots answer questions and engage in user and human-like conversations in real time based on the character's personality. By the way, Snoop Dogg, who's seen wearing a red-collared cape portrayed in the Dungeon Master, encourages users to, quote, get medieval. AI and the business behind it accelerating at a rapid rate and will affect nearly every industry, including sports. The final tech issue this week is the LA Rams using Snaps AR for in-stadium adverts. The Rams partnered with Princess Cruises and Snap to develop an AR experience using SoFi into the Pacific Ocean, and they're both transformed into a big ocean as part of an ad for the cruise company. This marks Snapchat's first ever activation, powered by Disguise, a visual experience platform created AR visuals in Snap's Lens Studio. The energy giant Shell has agreed to a multi-year sponsorship with the Rams, SoFi Stadium, and Hollywood Park. A lot of times where fans are sitting in their seats and a new generation of stadiums found more ways to engage in fans and certainly have to deal with that. Rams Chief Commercial Officer Jennifer Prince told Digiday the team wants future advertising deals for the venue during home games to potentially include other snapshot capabilities, including the use of AR lenses. Here we go. AR basically carrying the day and will continue to increase. Those are your tech smatterings for the week. Guaranteed we'll have a lot more in the future. Finally, and as usual, how about good sports? We have a couple this week. Jason Kidd seeing what's involved in women's and girls' sports. The guard-turned-head coach has plenty to look forward to this season. His high school talent in his home of Oakland and up in the Pacific Northwest, Kidd's AAU outfit has flown teams all over the country and helped girls grab scholarships at all levels of college play, D1, D2, D3, Reunited with his longtime sponsor, Nike, the girls from Kids Select were able to fly across the country to hoop at the recent World Basketball Festival to fulfill their journey and their goal in Division I, Division II, Division Three, and more. Instead, starting in 2021, 
Kids Select has helped 100 girls each year. 100% of the girls have gone on. 100% of the girls have gone on to D1, D2, or D3 programs. And then finally, the issue of not only good sports, but NIL lumped together. Recent developments with the rights of athletes in college sports now allow student-athletes in the University of, of Wyoming to make money on NIL. The new ruling, many companies stepped in to advertise IWYO is a non-profit NIL that gives the perspective of charity. An NIL collective with student-athletes can partner with those charities. 100% of the donations go directly to student-athletes, but the partners are able to promote their causes, Boys and Girls Club of Central Wyoming, Big Sisters, Big Brothers, all make a wish. Others all in the IWYO commitment. The collective a group of fans and boosters came together. This is not only good for the college athlete, but also another significant way to increase the dollars and donations for charity. Well, those are the good sports issues this week, a significant and big grab bag for the week. The final watch, the three issues you ought to look for over the next week and beyond. Number one, the obvious commitment of the future XFL-USFL merger. We saw it coming, but the league will seek to sell club franchises in three or four years. Larry Jones, a former Fox Sports EVP and consultant to the network, talked about at the Columbia University Sports Management Conference. He said, in three years, when we go out and sell teams, we own all the teams. I want to hear those valuations. The USFL is owned entirely by Fox Sports, and the XFL, owned by a group led by Redbird Capital Partners, Dwayne Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia. And on September 28, the leagues decided to declare their intention to merge after just one year uh, direct competition, it's facing Justice Department review, and both uh, leagues have basically declined to elaborate, uh, citing the sensitive antitrust clearing issues, but this is something that's definitely on the way. Look for it. That's number one. Number two, the NBA is open to more team investments from Middle East wealth uh, funds. Uh, Middle East, obviously, Cutter Investment Authority. They purchased a roughly 5% stake in the Washington Wizards parent company, Monumental Sports. There are more and more companies like the majority controlled city football group controlled by Abu Dhabi Royal Family member and Premier League Manchester City. They wouldn't be able to buy a team outright, but Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum said funds should be available and that means more bidders, that means higher value, and that means more money. Number two. Number three, an interesting issue. The UFC ends its bans on flags in the octagon, influenced by a successful event on Mexican Independence Day. They said, yeah, you can't bring flags in. But look at the intense avidity for the UFC, especially with their merger and their moving forward. They said, all right, to hell with the flag ban, you can bring in flags. That's not the issue. The issue is more and more intense targeting for the key fans for the octagon sports in the future and look for that to prevail. More to come each week and every week. You're on the record.